Good morning. And a warm welcome to everyone. This beautiful Lord's Day, the last Sunday of this winter. And what a beautiful day God has blessed us with. Come out and be together and to worship him in the name of his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Special thanks, very special thanks to all of our worship leaders for the fine way you have led our worship service today. Appreciate these Christian brothers who take a turn leading us in the singing, in the praying, and presiding at the communion and serving us the Lord's Supper. Those who make the welcoming remarks, appreciate each and every one. You do a great job, and you encourage and you edify us by the way in which you lead us in our worship services. want to thank our visitors for being here today. We have a few. Glad you could join us this morning. Want you to know you're always welcome here. And to our church family here at North, Ellen and I want to thank you for your phone calls, text messages, beautiful cards, and many prayers for us uh, during our recent uh, problems with health issues. With God's blessing, we're both feeling better today than we have in the past several weeks. And uh, with God's blessing, we're going to feel better several weeks from now than we do today. He's helping us to go in the right direction, and we know how important it is to be the recipient of God's people praying for our needs. And we thank you so much uh, and are so grateful and appreciative uh, for all of your prayers. As Dave mentioned, the subject of this morning's lesson is the power of prayer. And I think it's going to dovetail nicely with Ryan's Bible class lesson. This morning in our singing, we've been singing songs about prayer. And we as God's children know how powerful prayer is and how meaningful it is to us in our Christian lives. Prayer is a very special and powerful spiritual tool for us as Christians. Many examples and valuable lessons on prayer recorded for us in the Bible. And one of these examples is found in Acts chapter 12. I want to read to you this morning from Acts chapter 12, the first 11 verses. This will be uh, the lesson text for today's message. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now the Bible tells us, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. 
Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel." And has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. In today's lesson text, I want to lift up one verse of scripture and put a whole lot of emphasis on it. And that one verse is found in the 12th chapter of Acts, verse number 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. This is a great Bible verse for us as individual Christians and collectively as a congregation of the Lord's church. From our lesson text of Acts 12, we're going to take a look at three things pertaining to prayer. And these three things are the ministry of prayer, the manner of prayer, and the miracle of prayer. Let's begin by considering the ministry of prayer. Those Christians in Jerusalem really prayed hard for Peter. The beloved apostle had a big problem. He'd been arrested by Herod, and he had been imprisoned. Worse yet, Peter was put on Herod's death row. You see, to politically please those Jews who rejected Jesus as God's Son, their Messiah, their Lord and Savior, Herod was persecuting the leaders of the Lord's church in and around Jerusalem. And Peter was the most prominent leader 
at that time. Yet the church had a powerful solution to this problem. What did the church do? It prayed for their beloved Apostle Peter. It has often been said that prayer makes a difference. And how true this is. Many things have come to pass because God's people took time to pray. Hopefully all of us Christians know this to be true from our own personal experiences with prayer in our lives. Recall the outpouring of prayer back in January. After Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest during the football game with the Cincinnati Bengals. While the medical team worked frantically out on the field trying to revive Hamlin, more than 100 players and coaches gathered on that football field. They knelt down in prayer. Ordemar. And within an hour, social media sites lit up with more than 250,000 prayers for Demar Hamlin. And you know the rest of the story. He's alive and doing quite well today. And we thank God for that. Well, in Peter's situation, King Herod had closed and locked every door, every single door in the gate to. But one. There was one door that remained unlocked. One door Herod could not slam shut and put a lock on. No one can ever close that door because that door's always open and there's never a lock on it. Regardless of our circumstances, the door of prayer is always available and open to us as God's children 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of a regular year and every fourth year, 366 days during leap year. Your prayer, never shut, always open to God's children. Now today, you might be in some sort of prison yourself, figuratively speaking. Perhaps it's the prison of doubt and despair. It may be the prison of discouragement and depression. It may be the prison of harmful addictions to self-destructive behaviors. It may be poor health, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. It may be financial problems. Financial problems with more bills you have each month, then income to pay them. There may be problems in your marriage, home, family, at work, 
or school that plague your life with constant anxiety, worry, and fear. Yet please understand this. All of these circumstances and situations are common to the human condition. And no one, not a single person, is exempt from experiencing some or all of them. Whoever, there's always hope. There's always help for people who pray. Whatever our personal prison may be, all the devils and all the demons of hell cannot close the door of prayer. Every one of us can participate in the ministry of prayer for ourselves and for others. Well, having looked at the ministry of prayer, let's take a a look at the manner of prayer. The manner of prayer. Notice the frequency of the church's prayers for Peter. Again, we go back to Acts 12, verse 5, and it tells us, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I want to emphasize constant prayer. Don't give up praying about something. Just because God doesn't appear to respond immediately to your prayers. If it's really important to you, be in constant prayer about it. And as Ryan said in the Bible class this morning, ask for the prayers of your fellow Christians. Don't go it alone. Don't be a Lone Ranger prayer warrior. Involve your Christian brothers and sisters in your prayer need as well. Jesus said in Luke 18.1, Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing. Faithful Christians are Christians who pray frequently. Now let's notice the fervency of the church's prayers for Peter. We've seen the frequency. Let's notice the fervency. The constant continuous prayers without ceasing indicate an earnest passion and great intensity by those who were praying. God declares in Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye search for me with all your heart. God wants us to reach out to him. With all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, the totality of our being, physically, mentally, intellectually, emotionally, And spiritually. And he says if we'll do that. We'll find him. But we have to put our whole heart into it. James 5.16 tells us. Pray for one another. 
For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Therefore, don't settle for a hit and miss. Now and then, lukewarm, here and there, one and done prayer life. Be all in. All your heart. Pray frequently and pray fervently. A humorous poem illustrates the need for fervent prayer. The proper way to pray, said Deacon Duncan Keyes, and the only proper way is down upon your knees. No, the right way to pray, said the preacher Dr. Wise, is standing up with outstretched arms and heavenward-looking eyes. No, 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 said old Elder Slow. Such posture is far too proud. Pray with your eyes tightly closed and your head humbly bowed. It seems to me that the hands should be piously folded in front, with thumbs pointed up toward heaven, said young Brother Blunt. <coughs> Last week I fell into Hopkins' well head first, said Cyrus Brown. Both my heels were sticking up and my head was pointing down. And I prayed a prayer right then and there, the best prayer I ever said, the most fervent prayer I ever prayed while standing on my head. But what's the point? The point is this. Prayer passion is much more important than prayer posture. An urgent, humble plea is better than eloquent theology. Remember that sinner that went to the temple to pray with the Pharisee. Oh, the Pharisee, when he prayed, he he prayed a long, pious prayer, praising himself. That was the Pharisee's prayer. But what about that publican, that tax collector, that sinner? He just prayed a simple, heartfelt prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember Peter's prayer when Jesus came walking toward the ship that the apostles were in on the Sea of Galilee and Peter said, hey, I'd like to do that too. The Lord said, come. Peter stepped right out of the boat. Give the man credit. What courage and faith. Stepped out of the boat onto the Sea of Galilee and took several steps walking on the surface of that sea. Then he began to sink. As he was going down, he said a quick prayer. It was short, right to the point, ended with an exclamation point. Lord, save me! That was a fervent prayer with great passion and intensity. Jesus stretched forth his hand and took Peter's hand and escorted him back into the boat. Well, we've noticed the frequency of prayer as we are considering the manner of prayer. We 
We've noticed the fervency. Let's just briefly look at the fellowship of the church's prayers for Peter. Acts 12 records a good old-fashioned prayer meeting of the church, not in a church building, not even in a synagogue, and not at the temple in Jerusalem, but at the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. The spiritual power of one Christian's prayer is multiplied many, many, many times over when the whole church is praying for the same thing. In our prayer life, the the frequency, the fervency, and fellowship of praying to our Heavenly Father is a demonstration of our trust, our confidence, and our faith in the Lord. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us, but without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, we've looked at the ministry of prayer, the manner of prayer. Now we'll take just a few more minutes to consider the miracle of prayer. I want to read to you from Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Psalm of David first four verses. David writes and he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? I want you to think about this for a moment. Now you're going to have to use your imagination. I want you to think about the awesome immensity of of the universe. I'm talking about the cosmos of God's great creation. The universe. Think about the universe. Think about your place in it. And using your imagination, let's make the state of Indiana, the Hoosier state, the universe. You know the borders of the state of Indiana? Michigan to the north, Ohio to the east, Kentucky to the south, Illinois to the west. But Indiana is the universe for our purposes right now. In the state of Indiana, the universe, every building, every house, All the mobile homes, all the barns, all the sheds represent galaxies. And there are millions of galaxies in the universe. And as we think about that, this church building that we're meeting in this morning to worship the Lord, 
This church building is the Milky Way galaxy. And here in the Milky Way galaxy, this pulpit that I'm privileged to stand at this morning and share with you a message from God's word, this pulpit is our solar system. Are you still with me? Use your imagination. All right. Here I have one thin American dime. This dime is the planet Earth on which 8 billion people, including you and me, are currently living. Wow, you probably didn't realize how big the universe is and how small we are. David probably felt that way when he looked up and held the wonders of God's grand creation out there in space, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. And as he beheld all of that, the greatness of God's creation, he asked this question of God. What is man that you are mindful of him? Yet God hears the prayers of his people. Let's notice three things about God's response to the prayers of the church for the apostle Peter. First of all, it seemed to be late in coming. Yet it was right on time. The following day, Herod planned to execute Peter, just as he had done with some of the other leaders in the Lord's church. And looked good for Peter at that point. It was the 11th hour. But I say to you, don't ever quit praying. God is still there even at the 11th hour. In fact, our Heavenly Father bestows some of his most amazing blessings upon his children at the 11th hour. God's response to this prayer, it was a light in the darkness rescue from certain death for Peter. The angel appeared. I like this part. He smacked Peter. He struck Peter on the side to awaken him from his sleep. And then told Peter to get up and get dressed. The Lord made the shackles and chains fall from Peter and the prison gates to open wide for him to walk through. Now you and I are spoiled. When you and I enter and exit Walmart, Kroger's, or the Myers store, the doors mysteriously, magically just seem to open for us. And that's good going in, but it's even better going out when your arms fall of the purchases that you've made. But when that locked prison gate opened up for Peter, I tell you, it was a miracle. Peter walked out of his death row dungeon, fully dressed and with dignity. Then regarding God's response, it was a limited response. The angel of the Lord only did for Peter what he could not do for himself and no more. Peter wasn't Houdini. 
But Peter could dress himself, put on his sandals. He could walk. And as they walked past the guards, he could keep quiet. He did all of these things. We need to remember that the Lord will take care of the extraordinary, but the ordinary is our responsibility. The late Brother Ira North, a popular preacher from the 1960s, 70s, and 80s in Nashville, Tennessee, was fond of saying, pray as if everything depends upon the Lord God, and then work as if everything depends upon you. Ellen and I were privileged to hear Brother North preach in Nashville and also up in Detroit, Michigan one time. And in both of his sermons, he made that statement. Pray as if everything depends upon the Lord God. Then work as if it depends upon you. When we pray to God, we are entering into a working partnership with the one for whom all things are possible. Our Heavenly Father never fails to do what is best and right for each and every one of his children. We just need to believe, trust, and obey his word as best we can, then humbly accept his will for our lives, whatever his will may be. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray in his name and always pray to God, our Heavenly Father, thy will, not mine, not yours, but thy will be done. Although a lot of bad things happen to good and godly people in this life, the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 8.28 are still true today as they were 2,000 years ago. As Christians, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So in review, today we've looked at three things we should know about prayer from Acts chapter 12. When the church prayed for the Apostle Peter, we've seen the ministry of prayer, We've seen the manner of prayer, and we've seen the miracle of prayer. Perhaps Peter was contemplating his own personal deliverance from prison, danger, and death when he penned these words recorded in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. And we'll close with this reading. Peter wrote, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Yes, indeed. You know it and I know it. 
and every Christian knows it as well. Prayer is a powerful spiritual tool in the lives of God's people, and every Christian should exercise this great privilege daily. Well, perhaps you have a special need in your life for the prayers of the church. Perhaps you would like your Christian brothers and sisters to pray with you and for you. And I know our elders would be happy to pray with you and for you for that special need, whatever it may be. Or perhaps you're here today and you're not yet a Christian. I think most of us are, but there may be one or two have not yet become a disciple of Christ. Our prayer is that you will trust and obey the gospel commands of Jesus. Repent of your sins. Have enough sorrow for your sinful ways to repent of that sinful life. You will never regret repenting of your sin. Publicly confess your faith in Jesus as God's Son and your Savior. No one will ever regret making that grandest and greatest of all confessions. That Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, the world's Savior. If you're not a Christian, he wants to be your Savior too. Having repented of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus as God's Son and your Savior... Then obey Christ's command to be baptized for the remission, the forgiveness, the cleansing, the washing away of all your sins, whatever they may be. That the Lord may add you, your precious soul, to his church and write your name in his book of eternal life. This morning, if we can assist you in any way, Now's the time to respond to the call of Christ upon your life by coming to him as together we stand and sing this hymn for your encouragement.